Well, Dan Landing's getting tested again, and we should trust him. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Continue, please, and thank you to like, comment, subscribe, wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. Adrian Clem is gone. It stinks. I don't like it. I wish him the best. He is a great coach. We saw that this year. Not surprised that the NFL was wanting to get him after the wildly successful 2022 season that he had. A lot of thoughts coming today on that front. And a couple other mailbag questions too. Keep them rolling in. The mailbag can never be too full. But Dan Lanning right now is experiencing what it is actually like to be a head coach that nobody actually thinks or talks about. And when you consider what it means to be a successful head coach, everybody thinks of it in the Lincoln-Riley sense. Can you come in and just improve the schematics or what Kalen DeBoer did at Washington or what Jonathan Smith has done at Oregon State or Jake Dicker or Mike Leach at Washington State, that's what it's about. That's what you're looking for in a head coach, right? You're looking for somebody who can come in and just be a better play caller, a better schemer, a better game planner, a better recruiter. This is the other side to being a head coach that a university and athletic department is measuring when considering making a particular hire. How can you handle these sorts of situations. Because yes, this is a significant loss. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat that. Adrian Clem in one year did really, really good things. Had some talent in the room, but look at who he was recruiting. We will in a moment. But Lanning is now really going through, losing Kenny Dillingham, losing Matt Pallage, now losing Adrian Clem, losing players to the portal, bringing guys in. These are all things that are required to be a high-level head coach. Can you replace assistants with quality hires? Can you replace lost players with quality transfers? Can you manage a roster properly? Can you keep everybody in line? Can you run a tight ship? There are a lot of factors that go into being a successful head coach. And, And I understand completely that fans are a little frustrated with this, that there's too much coaching turnover and all this sort of stuff. But before I get to that, I want to keep the focus on Dan the man landing. Because I think many of you, myself included, believe in this guy's potential to be a really good head coach. To where he is clearly not satisfied with a 10-win season. That's a great mindset. Recruiting. Game plan, scheme, adjustments, all that sort of stuff. Some can certainly require some tweaks. But overall, he made a lot of improvements from the 2021 team in his first year. First time as a head coach. 
And if he didn't know it before, he certainly knows it now. This is the other side of it. And one thing that Lanning mentioned in a press conference that may sound like media fodder for people like me is how he's got a Rolodex of cards, of people that he has met, connected with, seen, or whatever over the years that he thinks could be good head coaches, or not head coaches, but good coaches on his staff that he thinks are smart, that he thinks are good. And it's understandable to be worried about, well, what's going to happen next with our offensive line coach? Kind of hard to say. It's been all of 36 hours or so. Not even that, frankly. By the time this episode drops or by the time you may be listening to it, it's kind of tough to know who the candidates are going to be. But here's why I trust Dan Lanning. What has he done to this point to lead you to believe that he's reached the end of his ability to make quality assistant hires. Which coach? Right now, the most questionable hire that he has made on staff that has been there, whether he's departed or is still there, is probably Tosh Lupoy as the defensive coordinator and defensive play caller. That's the most questionable. And by the way, the only thing missing there is the defensive play calling component. Because Tosh Lupoy, as we're seeing, is an elite recruiter and is going out and getting blue chip defensive linemen, which is what his specialty is and what his background was when he was at the NFL level as a position coach. So he's just missing that one element. That is without a doubt the quote-unquote least effective hire that Lanning has made to this point. And he's even holding Lupoy to a high standard, bringing in a guy who was a wildly successful defensive coordinator at the G5 level this year at a program that was on nobody's radar in Tulane off of a two-win season in the American and went out and beat the University of Southern California, more commonly referred to as USC. We'll see what Will Stein is the, as the offensive coordinator. But Lanning's staff hires so far have been really good. And I'm not in a mindset where just because he's losing Adrian Clem, who I definitely wanted to keep because he did such a great job, but Lanning found him in the first place. And Lanning found Carlos Lachlan. And Lanning found Junior Adams. And Lanning found Kenny Dillingham. And that is a part of your responsibility as a head coach. And the the number of quality hires that we've seen and the candidates that are attracted to Oregon is indicative of the fact that Lanning in in this space knows what he is doing. And I think we should give him some trust on that. Carlos Lachlan, for instance, is, is really the best example of all came in from Western Kentucky, an air raid offense. Say that on paper. I could have crafted, it wouldn't have been intellectually honest, but if I wanted to, I could have crafted an argument saying, I don't know why you'd want the running backs coach from an air raid offense. It seems questionable. They didn't use the running backs a lot, except for maybe in the passing game. So maybe that'll be this, that, and the other thing. I didn't have that take at the time, but I'm saying I could have reasonably talked myself into that speculative opinion. Instead, Carlos Lachlan has come in 
and has done nothing as a position coach but kick butt and take names. Bucky Irving, stud. Noah Whittington, stud. Jordan James, rock star true freshman. Dante Dowdell, one of the highest rated running back recruits in the country. Certainly one of the most highly sought after. Bringing in Jaden Lamar, because why not? It was a running back room that already had that already had some talent in it. I was really high on Sean Dollars coming into the year. I still think he's got a lot of upside as a running back. And he was good in his playing time this year as well. But that hire and so many others should give us the confidence that even though Oregon is losing a really good positional coach in Carlos Lachlan, that Dan Lanning will be able to find another one. Just how good was Adrian Clem? It's certainly noteworthy. There were a number of factors at play there, and there's a couple. There, there are a couple other questions to answer on that front with this departure, which I will answer after I tell you that built bars are fantastic. I had one on the golf course earlier today. You know why the cart girl wasn't going around? I don't really know why. I needed something to keep me going. I was playing a match against my friend, and boom! Suddenly, I had something that was tasty, delicious, only 130 calories and 17 grams of protein. They've got a bunch of great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. The list goes on and on. Mint brownie, my personal favorite. Sea salt caramel, also a top tier option, but there are so many more. You can get whatever you want. You can check them out at built.com, get your latest order, or check out your local Walmart or Sam's Club pick up a four box in the in the pharmacy section at Walmart or go to Sam's Club, get a box of 13, whatever you want. Go check out Built Bars. Get your latest order today. I'm all sorts of fired up this morning. Morning, afternoon, whenever you listen. Okay. Um, there was not any tea in there. I thought there was. I kind of wish there was. But if it sounded like I just sucked a little air out of a mug, that's because I did and I didn't realize it. So now that we're back to the Adrian Clem discussion, Oregon is losing a really good positional coach here. This is an offensive line that allowed five sacks in 2022, fewest in the country, better than when Mario and Alex Mirabal were there. We know what they did with the same players on the offensive line. Clem came in, took them to another level. And on the recruiting front, yeah, he was really good. And this will be a test of Dan Lanning and, frankly, of the Oregon brand on the recruiting front for offensive linemen and whether or not they can continue to bring in blue-chip players. Because Adrian Clem, at one point in time, was the primary recruiter for or helped recruit all of these offensive linemen. Josh Connerly, 2022 five-star. A Johnny Cornelius. 2023 four-star offensive tackle transfer from Rhode Island. That's a guy that a lot of people wanted. He chose Oregon. Junior Angelau, four-star transfer from Texas. George Silva, four-star 2023 uh, guy coming from the JUCO ranks. Janoris Wilson, 2023 four-star. Davey Uli, 2022 four-star. Michael Wooten, 2022 three-star. Kawiko Rogers, 2022 three-star. Lipe Mawala, 2023 three-star from Modern Day, which is one of the best high school football programs in the country. Bryce Bolton, 2023 three-star. These are all guys who could become key players going forward. 
and he showed an ability to recruit at a high level and to coach the guys on the field. Now, he hadn't built an offensive line from scratch, so his stock was really, really high, thanks at least in part to what Cristobal and Mirabal did with the unit they had there. But Clem came in and elevated, and he was able to parlay that into an opportunity with the New England Patriots. Totally understand it. He's probably getting more money. He might be getting more responsibility. I don't know. It stinks that he's leaving. But I want to get to that point because a number of you are, or at least were yesterday when I was peering through the YouTube comments, concerned about the coaching turnover and why do they want to leave and all this sort of stuff. Okay. I would rather have a high level of coaching turnover where our assistants are getting plucked away by other programs for an increase in status as a coach than be a place who nobody wants to hire from. This is the way that college sports have always worked at some level. I will grant you, for those of you frustrated, it is certainly ramped up in the last couple of years, unquestionably. There's a lot more movement now. That's the way that a lot of these young coaches think. And, and, and here, here's the best way that I can put it. Coaching and broadcasting are very, very similar. And neither of my parents are broadcasters. And when I was at my last job at Eastern Oklahoma State, I was talking to you know people in the broadcasting field and my parents as well about my career and what I would want to do next. And when an opportunity came about to go to Southern Utah, my parents were concerned because they both you know, had their, had their work careers. And my dad still does on the business side of things in the corporate world. They were concerned about the idea of me being at a place essentially for one year and then moving on. And they said, well, I don't think that that doesn't look right on a resume. People are going to ask why this, that, and the other thing, but they are not in the broadcasting space. And when I talk to people who have had 20 and 30 year broadcasting careers, they have all told me the same thing. And it applies to coaching. You don't turn down an opportunity to show an extra level of commitment or loyalty or fealty or anything like that. When an opportunity comes knocking that allows you to increase the status of your job or get you to a better situation, you go. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter where you're at, what you want to do. You've got to be able to just go. And that's what Adrian Clem is doing here. It doesn't mean he didn't like Oregon. It doesn't mean he wasn't committed to Oregon or anything like that. It means a better situation for more money where his true career interests may lie. It came available. The offer came. And he took it. Now, Dan Lanning said he wasn't expecting any more coaching changes. But... It just goes to show you, you never know what, what's going to happen on that front. But this high level of coaching turnover and movement, it's the way that people in that space, sports, media, whatever, it's the way that people operate. Matt Pallage was a one and done as an assistant at Oregon. You know why? Because he went to get a defensive coordinator job. That, 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 that's going to a bigger, better job. And because we are involved with sports as fans, 
it's easy to forget what is fundamentally happening here. Think about whatever job you have. If you got an opportunity to move up the ranks and get a better title, better job, better pay, better hours, whatever, you're going to do it. That's what these guys are doing. Can it be frustrating? Yes, absolutely. But does it spell gloom and doom for the Oregon football program with Dan Lanning at the helm? Absolutely not. It spells the opposite, the exact opposite. As I said earlier, it is a test of Dan Lanning's abilities as a head coach to be able to replace these assistants and continue to get production from the position groups where you're seeing coaching turnover. But if you are a place where people want to hire your assistants, you know what that means? You're making good hires. That's what that indicates. Think about what's a good example here. Uh, think about 2019 LSU. Widely regarded by some, myself included, as the best college football team of all time. It blew up in the years after because Ed Orgeron had too big of an ego. That's a story for another day. Do you know what happened to that staff? It got pilfered. It got plundered by schools all over the country. Dave Aranda went to go be a head coach at Baylor. Joe Brady, out of there. Their offensive coordinator, pretty sure also got hired somewhere else. When you win, when you are relevant, other schools, other programs are going to look at what you're doing and say, I want what they're having. Because when you walk into a restaurant and you see someone really satisfied with what they are eating, you say, man, that looks good. You're going to go up and order that. And that's what other programs are doing. And this happens to be a situation where Clem is going to the NFL. You know why? Because he clearly showed a propensity to be able to coach offensive line. And he's not getting poached, by the way, by just any NFL team. This is Bill Belichick. This is Bill Belichick. So ask yourself this question. Would you rather, as an Oregon fan, hire a coach that will stay for three years and be solid but not amazing, but at least he'll stay, or would you rather have a guy that does his job so well that the greatest coach in NFL history interviews him and says, I want you to coach that position group for my guys. That's a caliber of coach that I want Dan Lanning to continue to attract. I want him to find young up-and-comers like Will Stein. If Stein is someone who is the OC for two years and goes and gets a head coaching job, you know what that means? That Stein was a great hire and that Oregon's winning a lot of games. I would rather be in that, in, in that, what am I trying to say? Mindset, shoe, whatever. That's where I'd rather be as opposed to not having to deal with turnover. It's part of being a head coach. That's what it is. Interesting question from Jeff Gabrio about Adrian Clem. And then a quick thought on the uh, 12 team playoff to wrap up today's show. Uh, another quick thought. 
We're really excited about having FanDuel Sportsbook as our betting partner here at Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. Yeah, I kind of tricked you there, but you know, that's kind of my game. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super, super easy to use. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook, sportsbook partner of the NFL. Boy, I'm still fired up. I'm still just fired up and rolling along. A question came in yesterday with regards to Clem from Jeff Gabriel. What are your top picks to replace Adrian Clem as offensive line coach? And could this affect the return of top offensive linemen not currently on the team? So, great question. Kind of hard to find offensive line candidates because really what you're doing is... You're you're not going to, in all likelihood, find someone that is on another comparable program staff. I mean, we you have seen it before, right? Junior Adams made a lateral move going from Washington to Oregon. I, I know that it's you know an up an upgrade to us, but from like a program pedigree standpoint, Washington is in the same ballpark at the very least. Whereas like Chris Hampton is coming from Tulane to Oregon to be the co-defensive coordinator. I think that it, it's just going to come down to Dan Lanning and who the top candidates are. There's not a list out there. I don't have anybody at the top of mind. And, and frankly, whoever Lanning deems to be good enough to be the offensive line coach, we'll, we'll assess him once he gets there, how the offensive line performs, Clem was also the run game coordinator, so whether or not that takes a step back with the Will Stein offense and such, but monitor the recruiting and everything to see whether or not it ends up being a good hire. But I'm inclined to just think that Lanning has got a guy in mind. He moved pretty quickly. I I was saying on, I think, a Thursday or Friday show back in December, yeah, it kind of seems like Lanning's going to make this hire for the OC by Monday. And then guess what? Monday morning, Will Stein is Oregon's new offensive coordinator. I don't think he needs to make this higher in the immediate future, but the second part of the question is is kind of interesting here. Could this affect the return of top offensive linemen currently on the team? Well, Stephen Jones will now be playing for his third different offensive line coach, so I don't expect an issue there. I think he's just committed to Oregon and Dan Lanning in general. The other thing, too, is Clem is going to the NFL. So it's not like guys are going to follow him once the next transfer portal window opens. It, it, I, I can't rule it out entirely that someone could go through spring practice and decide there's a new coach here now and he'll certainly be here by then. This hire will be made probably in the next week or two and we'll, of course, discuss it here on the show. But someone could go through spring practice and see where they're going to fall in the depth chart and then decide – yeah, without Coach Clem here, I really wanted to play for. This isn't the place for me. But it's not as if Coach Clem is the only guy that has been in communication with these offensive line commits, both from the prep ranks and the portal. 
And the guys you want to watch are a Johnny Cornelius and Junior Angelau, who are expected to be starters on the offensive line this year. You could maybe see a guy, you, you know, uh, you know, so, someone who hasn't played a ton yet and doesn't want to try his luck with a new coach at Oregon specifically, or maybe doesn't vibe with a new coach as well, or the new coach, offensive line coach, doesn't see him as as promising of an offensive line player as maybe Adrian Clem did. You could see one or two guys maybe, but I, I don't think I, – if you were setting an over-under on offensive linemen that will transfer out, I think it would be probably right at one. I think it's probably where Vegas would put it. I, I just can't see multiple guys suddenly deciding to leave. Position coaches leaving is not new to college sports. It really isn't. And it's not as if Clem is the only coach they've ever talked to, that they've ever worked with or been in communication with. I mean, Kenny Dillingham went to Arizona State. Well, Bo Nix stayed at Oregon. Troy Franklin's still here. Bucky Irving's still here. Noah Whittington's still here. T. Ferg is still here. Some guys left. Mataval left. McCormick left. Dollars left. I mean, it, it, it could happen in theory, but I don't suspect that any of the most notable offensive linemen right now that Oregon has going into spring practice, which I can't wait for. I mean, give me a spring practice report. I can't, I can't wait for that already, but I don't think that there's going to be some mass exodus just because Clem left. I think you could, you would not see more than two. I I would be, I would be shocked if it was any more than two. And I don't think it's going to be that high. Quick thing here. uh, Just a a question. Again, there's plenty of mailbag here. Um, I was going to get to uh, Ken Stewart. I saw your question. Not going to have time to get to it on today's show, but real quick, uh, Mr. Eddie, the dog, perhaps my most loyal listener on YouTube always comments, go ducks. And I always love the message. It's kind of like a routine in, uh, in my day. Like I, I see, uh, I see Eddie's Mr. Eddie, the dog's message, put the little heart on it every day. It's a nice little, nice little routine thing. It lets me know that you're at a certain point in the morning. Usually watches early in the morning too. Um, he asks, why don't you like a 12 team playoff? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I am an anti-expansionist. I would never go beyond six in college football. The summary of my argument, which I could give you a 30 minute sermon on, but we'll keep it to just kind of two or three here is college football has always been unique because it's regular season is better than any other sport. And that includes the NFL. I have always liked college more than the NFL and I've always watched both and I always will. But in a 12 team playoff, the value of losses in a regular season start to become more regional than national. For example, Oregon played themselves into a college football playoff position this year when they were sitting at eight and one. And then they lost that game to Washington. And it stunk. But people outside of the Pacific Northwest cared about that game. The SEC had a rooting interest there. Because they wanted to see LSU or Tennessee get in. You got to knock Oregon out of the way. Boom, Oregon's gone. But you can't have that in a 12-team playoff. Because two losses no longer keeps you out of the discussion. 
Alabama this year, for instance, we all watched them lose those games, right? I watched them lose to LSU. I watched them lose to Tennessee. They were two of the best college football games of the year, and there were a bunch. Guess what? Alabama would still be in the playoff, and that diminishes the value of the regular season. And yes, you add importance to certain games, which I think can be fun. It's not all negative, but to me, the negatives outweigh the positives because the games that now matter more are are fruitless. They're toothless, meaningless. Because the teams that are then fighting to get in the in the twelfth, the tenth, eleventh, or twelfth spot, they're not going to change the national championship picture by the end of the year. In what year have you ever felt the number 10, 11, or 12 team could really shake up the college football playoff landscape if they were just given a chance? I haven't seen it yet. Because I've seen a bunch of college football playoff games where the number four team is incapable of shaking things up. I've seen a couple situations where they are. But you can't tell me that Georgia wouldn't have won this year if they'd had to go up against Tulane. Tulane was a great story. They really were. Are they going to go in there and cause havoc? Were they beating Michigan or Ohio State or Georgia or TCU? No. TCU maybe, but probably not. And so when you at scarcity is the most important thing in sports, baseball and major baseball and basketball, the NBA and the, and the MLB, the regular seasons are too long. They lack scarcity. College football scarcity has been more competitive, more elite, more dramatic on a week to week basis than any other sport in the world. And with a 12 team playoff, you take that away. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.